You are listening to Spot On, a health and wellness podcast that breaks through the latest media headlines to provide you with accurate and usable information that is, well, spot on, spot on to meet your needs. I am your host, Dr. Joan Salji Blake, a nutrition professor at Boston University and the author of the college textbook called Nutrition and You, which is used in colleges across the United States and abroad. Thank you for tuning in this week to Spot On, a very, very interesting topic. And I hope that the title of this episode is Anxiety, the New Normal, maybe sparked you to want to listen to this. And, you know, I was having issues with this feeling like, am I the only one in the world that's feeling anxious at this time? Like, what, what, what is this? And I started to dig a little deeper and I found out there was a survey that was done over the summer that stated that about 50% of adults in the United States reported that their mental health has been negatively impacted, you know, due to being worried and due to being stressed. And, you know, I was like, oh, thank goodness, I I guess I'm not the only one that's having this issue. And then what happened just yesterday, I get in my email a survey that was done by the American Psychological Association. And Lo and behold, I guess they do this annual survey every year of measuring stress in America. And this year it came out, not only was the the survey of stress in America, but they subtitled it a national mental health crisis. So with that, I said, okay, it's just not me. And so today I brought on a guest that's not just going to confirm what all these surveys are saying, but more importantly, help us to give us real doable strategies that can help us if we're feeling anxious. But before I bring her on, I want to go to the streets here and, you know, just find out how Josephine and Joe on the street are feeling and how different is your current stress level compared to last year at this time? I think that this year my stress level is a lot higher than it has been in years past. I think part of the reason for that is because this year um, I'm looking for jobs as a senior, but due to the pandemic, there are a lot less positions open. Just the state of the world and with the election, it's also a lot more stressful. Just not being able to go out and do everything that you like to do, not being able to go out and see your family um, and just do the things that help us relax every day, I think has taken its toll on me. I would say that on average, my stress level is about the same as say this time last year. School itself is a little bit more stressful with trying to meet deadlines um, and kind of having to work with the working from home kind of situation. Less resources at home, or at least less readily available resources at home than there are at school. But that's kind of balanced out by uh, life being logistically easier with not having to walk to classes or, you know, run to get food before classes or after classes. My stress level is a lot higher right now compared to last year. I think the boundaries between work and other aspects of my life are less distinct. In the past, when I left the office, I was mostly done for the day. Now it's like I'm always on call, though I know my workplace is trying their best not to make it feel like an obligation. The pressure is high to perform well, especially since I don't want to lose my job in this current market. Plus, there's the stress that comes from the underlying fear of getting sick, and also wanting to be there for my family and community emotionally, even if I can't physically be present. And of course, the current political climate is a mess. Even though I'm luckier than a lot of people right now, sometimes it really just feels like I'm struggling to keep my head above water. 
So again, I'm so excited to bring on Dr. Dori Hutchison, and she is a guru in this area. She works at Boston University and is the Director of Services at the Center for Psychiatric Rehabilitation. But really, her fame here is over the last two decades, Dr. Hutchinson has worked to develop innovative college mental health services that support students. And this is so, so important because when I was looking at some of these surveys, it mentioned that younger adults, the Gen Zs, maybe years 18 years old to 23, are having a more challenging time with anxiety. So I brought on Dr. Dory Hudson to help us out. So with that, Dr. Dory, welcome to Spot On. Thank you, Joan. I'm so happy to be here. Well, let me tell you, my dear, I am happy to have you here because (laughs) you are going to explain this and maybe help everybody feel like, wow, it's not just me. Wow, I'm just not alone. And what can we do to help us get through this? So let's start. How are the current times putting significant stress on us, in particular college students? That data from the APA is really compelling. And I have data also that related directly to college students. You know, we know it's been an incredibly harrowing time for all of us since last March. And We've felt these range of emotions from fear and extreme stress and distress, anger, and a lot of anxiety. And the the Centers for Disease Control did a study of college students between last March and June. And college students, 75% of them reported that they were feeling distressed by everything that's been going on. It's been kind of a perfect storm. What's going on right now? We, you know, we're dealing with a pandemic. We're dealing with racial injustices and racial trauma. We're dealing with economic distress and instability. And it's not just in the United States. This is happening globally. So there's this collective anxiety really, that we're feeling in the air, and none of us is used to that. Right, and I think, like you said, the perfect storm, like probably, Dr. Dory, one of these would be okay. And for example, I remember when my son was in college, he was in college during the Great Recession, but that was all we had, you know. That was just the economic part of it. And yes, he was stressful, but but when you think about it, that's all he was stressful about. It wasn't all these other layers. Yeah. You know, I remember he was stressed, but not like the level I can look on the streets and see and feel how people are. You can cut the anxiety with a knife right in the air. So you can just see it on people's faces. So I think it is this layering, as you said. So there's a one on top of the other, where maybe you could have done one or two, but put three or four together and you're like, what is going on? Right. And it's all really dramatically impacted. And, you know, as we said, there's our health, there's our our well-being in terms of our financial well-being, there's the the political unrest and the racial unrest. And it's just all dramatically impacting how we how we go to work, how we study, how we be with those that we love. It creates this perfect storm, as I said, for anxiety becoming kind of our new normal. Right. And something else that I read that was fascinating and really true, Dr. Dory, is that as an older adult, I'm not that old, but you know, I have more experience about getting through this. So in other words, when my my son was in college during the Great Recession, he was like, I mean, this was very challenging for him, but I was not that stressed because I've been through recessions before. And I know that history repeats itself. And I know that we, we, you know, we grew up in recessions. I've had another one when I, you know, in the early nineties. So I knew, look, we're going to get 
over this. We're going to get over this. But I think what may be a problem as younger people, especially Gen Z, those that are in college, they don't have that history that we have. Correct. They can't draw upon like, this is only a hiccup. We're going to get through this. Remember last time when blank happened and the, the year later we were all fine? But I don't think that they have that experience, that wisdom. They don't. They have it. This is the only thing that aging is good for, Dory, you know? I mean, is wisdom. And I'm not sure they have it. And they must be much more frightened. And frightened. And they're, you know, there's no timeline on this either for any of us. And certainly students who are in college right now have, you think about what they've grown up with, right? They've grown up with a lot of changing and challenging times in the 18 to 24 years that they've been alive. Absolutely. And you know that AAP survey that we just spoke about, they said that the Gen Z adults, so here we go, college students, are the most likely to say that they felt very lonely, or they feel lonely, yet they are the most connected generation. I mean, they're like on social media all the time, but they feel lonely. And can you speak to that? Yeah, this it's a real epidemic of loneliness, which also can really be do a number on our sense of well-being and our mental health. And I've heard that. I've never been surrounded by so many people, but never have I felt so lonely either. And I think so because we are so connected in terms of technology. And now if you add that other layer of the pandemic where we really have had to purposely isolate, we are do not have a lot of people-to-people contact. And as humans, we not only crave it, we need it. And so right now, you know, you can be a student at BU, but you're eating in your room, you're going to class in your room, you're not doing your normal activities with your friends. If you are, you have to be six feet apart that can really, you know, cause a a feeling of loneliness um, that we have. That's a difficult place to be. Spot On is a podcast for all college students, soon-to-be college students, and anybody that knows one, which is basically the whole world. But this is universal. I mean, it's not just here in Boston. I mean, no matter where you're going to school, no matter where you're living in the United States, you're feeling this. And, you know, that's interesting. You said, uh, Dr. Dory, about six feet apart. Well, how can you Of course you'd feel lonely if you have to be six feet apart. And, you know, I'm walking down the street, and I got a mask on, and people all have masks on, thank goodness, because we know that that's a great way to, you know, reduce the risk of getting the virus. But, But there's no smiling. Right, right. Can't see people's faces. There's no contact even, right? You can make eye contact, but sometimes the eyes can be hard to read. And so we're lacking that physical communication, and we're missing our friends, You know, being in a room with our friends is different than being on Zoom with our friends. There is no question about this. I mean, you know, you talk about Zoom fog. You know, we have all these names now. I mean, it's great. And it was kind of fun in the beginning to maybe see lost relatives or friends from, you know, 10 years ago that you're seeing now on Zoom. But there's nothing like being hanging out, watching a football game on the couch with a bunch of people and really, you know, getting into it. Clearly, clearly there's a difference. But regarding social media, because we talked about that how social media has connected us, is that good for us now or not so good? I don't know how to read that. Well, I'm a big believer in balance. I just think there has to be um, balance in order for us to feel well and to thrive. And I think right now, because of the 
health restrictions that we're living under and the times that we're living in, we are, many of us are overconnected to technology and social media and it's constant. Our brains literally need a break from being that connected. Many students have begun to wear the glasses, the blue light glasses as a way to, you know, put a buffer between the constant stimulation that the screen is having on their brains. Um, and then, you know, if you're on social media all the time and there's a, you know, there's a lot of strife in social media right now. And so you're constantly being bombarded by messaging, by content, by images that can be traumatic, that can be angering, that can cause anxiety. It's a lot coming at us. And so I think we need to be very intentional about taking a break from Zoom, from social media. Dr. Dora, you just said something about the blue glasses that are very interesting. And I went and I got these because I like to do comedy before I go to bed. So I end up watching something on Netflix, you know, that makes me laugh. And I like to go to bed with that kind of thought in my head. So I got these blue lights, but I thought the blue light, it doesn't affect your sleep. Can you talk about why they should be done all day long? And I didn't realize that. So can you explain that? I'm not really on top of the science around it, but my understanding is that, you know, being on screens all day long, one causes eye fatigue. And two, the light actually is stimulating neurotransmitters in our brain. And then it can be hard for us to put our thoughts down and to fall asleep. In terms of sleep hygiene, it's always been recommended, particularly in the last 15 years where we are on our phones and screens more than ever before, is to give yourself at least a 30-minute break before you go to bed and to flip the light on your screen so that there's less of that coming and stimulating our brains. You know, I'm going to try doing it all day long then. You're right. I'm looking at the screen way more than I should be. I'm like, I have a Zoom meeting every hour on the hour. And so let's see. I'm going to try to do that and see if it, it can help reduce it. That's a really good tip. And speaking of tips, that's what I want from you because we're regurgitating data and that's fine. And I wanted people to understand that you're not alone. And, you know, there's national health surveys that's saying everybody's like that. In a way, you can take a breath and go, oh, gosh, okay, I'm not the only one. But I really want this to be, what can we do? Let's get some strategies out here that we can help people during this to better manage all this anxiety. Well, I think one thing I want to really emphasize as a strategy is the importance of sticking to a routine and a routine in terms of our daily routine. I know for myself, the first couple of weeks of the pandemic, I had no routine and I was feeling overwhelmed all the time, sort of buffeted by all the news and what am I going to do and when is this going to end? But, you know, here we are seven months later and Building a routine has been a really strong wellness strategy for so many people. There's psychological reasons for that, is that we've lost our normalcy and we've had to build a new normal. And when we lose our normalcy and our routines, it can make us feel very unsafe. It can actually, it can cause us to feel unwell. So having a structure where you go to bed at the same time every day and you get up at the same time every day and 
you eat your meals at the same time, or even you eat the same foods on the same days. Like, you know, I like to do taco Tuesdays. That routine is very calming. It helps people create a sense of safety for themselves and control. Because right now the outside world feels out of control. So here's when I'm gonna work out. Here's when I'm gonna go to sleep. Here's when I'm gonna connect with my friends. Here's when I'm gonna have dinner. Here's when I'm gonna do my work. Those types of routines are very, very powerful in helping to build a sense of internal control, external control, and a sense of safety. And all of that has been shattered this year. Right. You know, that's interesting you say that, Dr. Dory, because we first thought with, okay, we didn't have to commute to class or work and everything. Oh my gosh, we've got all this free time. Isn't this wonderful? I freed me up. But when you think about it, we lost that routine. Right, right. We, we lost our normalcy. Right. I didn't even think of it like that. Okay. So getting on a routine, getting up, you shower in the morning, you have the breakfast, you stop for lunch, and you tune in to your friends at a certain time of the day. Okay, I love that. So getting on a routine, what else can we do? Really helpful. So another really powerful one is to acknowledge your feelings. Our feelings are in our body and they belong to us. And whether they're rational or not, there are feelings. And so acknowledging our feelings is a way of helping them move through our bodies. It helps us develop patterns and coping strategies because we know what we're feeling. And a lot of us, for a variety of reasons, are really uncomfortable with negative feelings right? We're afraid of them. We might feel really angry. We might feel really anxious. And we have a tendency to say, if I just ignore it, it will go away. And if we ignore our feelings, they fester and it pops out differently for different people. But if we're feeling very anxious, it can be really helpful just to say, I'm feeling really anxious, right? Because I would imagine it manifests its way. Maybe you're going to snap at somebody or you're waiting in line at the bank to go to the ATM and you're getting angry, you know, and that normally wouldn't have angered you. I mean, you know. Exactly. And, you know, it's been an incredibly emotional time. And the reality is that many of us have been terrified, frustrated, angry, upset, anxious. And we're constantly focusing on our threats, the threats that are out there and the fears, our anxiety. And then that's going to impact us. If we acknowledge it, that empowers us to think, well, what am I going to do about this? What can I do about it? But if we don't acknowledge it, it will pop out. As you said, it it can act like jet fuel on our relationships, right? We can bite someone's head off or we might cry at the drop of the hat or we're super irritable or we get stomach aches or we can't sleep. But if we acknowledge it, then we say, okay. Dr. Dory, I just had all of the above. Like when you said all those things. Right. (laughs) That's so sad. Yeah. But that's great that you can say, gee, and it's all, as you said, it's festering in you, you know, so you could acknowledge it and then try to control it. I love it. Exactly. And, you know, it, it brings balance to our life if we say, uh, this is how I'm feeling. And then we can problem solve with ourselves and with those we care about. Well, how am I going to handle this and cope with this? And probably they're having anxiety too, right? Exactly. And, you know, no one goes it alone. We like to think that we should be able to do this. And that's another one is shooting on ourselves, right? This is a real thinking trap that makes us feel lousy. I should be getting higher grades. I should be working out every day. I should be, you know, talking to my girlfriends on Zoom or I should be posting on Instagram. You know, these sorts of thoughts These are what we call a thinking trap that really makes us feel lousy and then often tends to have us behave in ways or act in ways that aren't healthy. And so resist that shooting all over yourself. 
You know, this is not a time, never is there really a time to be striving for perfection because perfection is unachievable. We just want to try to be striving to, to be well and to have balance. That's what we're trying to do. I love that. Shooting all the time. I love that. Yeah. That is great. That one I am I'm writing, I wrote it down. Okay. <laughs> what else can we do? So I think for me, it's one of my most important coping strategies is in moving my body. And also, I think we're learning the importance of getting outside every day, even if it means you're getting uh, going on your rooftop of your apartment building or out on the sidewalk, or if you live in the country, getting out in the woods. Our emotions need motion. And we want to move those emotions through our body. And activity, physical activity, has been shown in the, the research to be as effective as anti-anxiety medications and antidepressants. And so if you are feeling that way and you're not moving, I would urge, and it doesn't matter how you move, you can dance in your dorm room, you can do yoga, run, walk, you know, whatever you like to do, lift. Movement is really important. And getting outside, getting natural light is a form of active mindfulness when you move, right? Because you have to be paying attention to where your body's in space. If you go out for a walk, it's your you, one step, one step, one step, one step. There is this motion that you have to pay attention to that allows you to leave your anxieties for a moment or two because you have to focus on where you are in space, and it's very calming. And also being outside, like I like to call being outside sort of our geography of hope. It sort of centers you. Okay, you know, it's a beautiful, in New England right now, it's a beautiful fall day. Um, and, and trying to take a moment to appreciate the beautiful colors that are outside right now. Yeah. I love the way you say that our emotions need motion. Our emotions need motion. So in other words, just don't sit and stew. Go out to movement to help that your brain. And you're right, Dr. Dory. I mean, the leaves right now in New England, I wish I had like, you know, what, what they call that, the artist when they plaster a Paris or something where they spray their objects so it doesn't, nothing moves and all the pieces yeah. stay together. I want to just like spray like super glue over these trees and to keep them up because I, it is really, really magnificent to look at. But then, you know, going down, nothing is more peaceful than snow. You know, like that's coming next. And that's very, very peaceful. Sort of like enjoy every season Mother Nature gives you and find the wonder in it. So I love that. I love that being outside. So our emotions need motion. I'm on top of that. That's great. Anything else you can help us yeah. with? Yeah. Well, two more things, I guess I would like to say. And it sort of, it builds on what you just spoke. I think we have to, at this moment in time, I and mean, we are living in an unprecedented moment of time. Before all of this happened, there was so much spontaneity in most of our lives. You know, we could drop by our friend's room on the third floor of the dorm, and we could go over and visit someone and sit in the dining hall for a long time or sit outside along the Charles River at BU. And now we can't do that. So we have to be very intentional. I urge everyone to intentionally seek out people, places, things, and activities that give you joy and give you a sense of gratitude. All those things are protective factors, right? We have things that are eroding our well-being right now. So we have to seek out those people, places, things, and activity that build our protection against all this negativity and all this unknown and all this anxiety and all these threats to our wellness. I know these are things we can do. 
You know, Dr. Dory, that's so interesting because we just came off the lockdown. You know, you can't go out and you're afraid to go to the supermarket. So now, is it because we have better data to suggest that if you wear a mask, wash your hands, you know, be outside, that you can connect safely or without increasing your risk? Yes, exactly. And, you you know, I mean, and for some people who can't, you know, there may be people who feel and who know that their health is still very much at risk. Intentionally seeking out people through Zoom is okay. You know, but the key part here is being intentional about it because we can't be spontaneous about things. And we also want to proactively pull the people in and do the activities and find the spaces and places that make us feel happy and make us feel well. That is a way of protecting our health. We have control over that. Once a week, I have a friend and I call her and we walk and talk. So so I'm on the phone and I'm walking and she's on the phone walking. And so I get, yeah, so I get two for the price of one, you know, do I get, you know, I'm a shopper. And so not only am I outside and, and now I realize our emotions need motion. So I'm walking, but I'm also connecting with her. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And when you're done, it feels good, right? You know, and you're building your resilience. Um, and we all need a lot of that resilience right now. And then I think the last thing I like to say is that sometimes it just gets to be too much. And we can feel really overwhelmed. And that can also be, not only is that a really lonely place to be, it can be a scary place. So seek support if you get to that place. Seeking support is a sign of strength. I think a lot of students have gotten the message either through our cultures or our families or society that seeking help and support is a weakness. And that couldn't be farther from the truth. We know that our mental health and our wellness is linked to academic success, really strongly linked. And it's also linked to our health. As we leave college and we go to work, it's linked to how well we are as employees and our overall resiliency. So seeking help is a sign of strength. And there are a lot of people out there who can be really helpful. No one goes it alone. Want to look at the upside of pandemic? Are you trying to find the upside? But you know something? Telehealth. Telehealth is wonderful. Yeah, that I'm telling you, it took a pandemic before that we got telehealth uh, like a light switch. It was you know as seen as it okay. So for goodness gracious, let's find something good about this darn pandemic. And it's telehealth. So you can connect with somebody that can help you out. And I love what you said that it's a sign of strength. In other words, you're, you're, you're finding strength that like, I'm going to get help so that, you know, I'm going to be better place and then people around me will be in a better place. So with telehealth, it could be somebody locally on campus or it could be someone maybe you did you had a relationship with therapist 10 years ago. I've just actually helped a BU student who lives in California get hooked up to someone to talk to in Massachusetts. And it, so with, with telehealth, it doesn't matter, you know, where it is or what time of the day it is, because that's the beauty of it. So for goodness gracious, let's not waste this uh, good pandemic here. Let's use it to get some strength and mental wellness. Right. Well, Dr. Dory Hutchinson, I am feeling better. I'm, I'm, I'm enlightened. And I, you know, you're so terrific at this and understanding this. But boy, we're going to put up... Uh, these five tips that she gave us on the spot on Facebook page. And we're going to make it into a nice little plaque that maybe people can print out and put on their walls to remember these tips. They're great. I mean, they're really great. They're simple. And there's a lot of you know science behind it and strategies that work. So we will put them on the spot on page for you to print out. And I'm feeling better already. And I'm very optimistic that this episode is going to help 
a lot of people. So with that, Dr. Dory Hutchinson, I want to thank you for being on Spot On. Thank you, Joan. It made me feel good too. Spot On is supported by the Boston University Sargent College's Master of Science degree in Nutrition program. Log on to bu.edu to learn more about this fabulous nutrition graduate program. Thank you for listening to Spot On. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This way you'll get every new episode every week. And by the way, leave us a nice review. And can you also like us on our Spot On Facebook page and suggest topics for future episodes? Please follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Joan Salji Blake. And oh, by the way, can you send this episode to five of your friends? Do I ask a lot of you?